horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Okay, thanks for joining us once again here on Winning Ponies. Remember, this show is also on podcast, so uh, if you enjoy what you hear and you want to pass it along, sure would appreciate it. If you tell your friends, they can go to winningponies.com and pull down the podcast of the show. Uh, so we've got uh, all of the winning your ends behind us. The last one was run at... Uh, at Keeneland yesterday. I'll tell you a little bit about that in, in a second. And uh, meanwhile, the racing this week moves north of the border as far as graded stakes competition uh, on one card is concerned, and that is at Woodbine. So uh, I called out my newfound friend, Ernie Perry, who is the top clocker there at Woodbine, to break down the races for us. And, uh, you know, we are talking about some quality-laden races for sure. How about the Grade 1 E.P. Taylor, $600,000 on the line. And let's not forget the prestigious $800,000 Canadian International. Uh, so we're going to take a look at those races. And then um, earlier in, in the program, I'm going to have uh, – later in the – yeah, earlier in the program – we're going to have Byron King on. Now, Byron King's wearing a new uh, helmet. He's over on Team Blood Horse now, and uh, he's going to be telling us about some of his news, new duties. And uh, let me tell you, this guy is working his tail off. He's now the associate editor uh, at the Blood Horse. And so one of the things I'm going to ask him to, to, to chime in on uh, would be the uh, kind of – as we head into the Breeders' Cup with the win in your ends behind us, where horses or are going, uh, where they're likely to go, or who's not showing up. Uh, because we have found out, particularly a lot of the two-year-olds are saying, you know, that's a pretty rough go to ask a horse to do that in such a short amount of time. I think maybe I'm just going to group up. And take some time off, maybe come back to one of the uh, Churchill uh, baby races that they have and uh, take the winter off and then come back with a fresh horse. Because let's face it, folks, in the history books, they don't ask you about a lot of races, but they do ask you about the Kentucky Derby. And so those two-year-olds, some are taking a rest for the rest of the winter. Some will race one more time. But the, the ultimate goal, of course is the Kentucky Derby. So that's the lineup for this week. And uh, we'll take a look now at what's happening on the national racing scene. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. All the ragweed isn't exactly gone where I live yet. So, um, again, uh, we're going to find out where they're going to go and uh, the decisions that are going to go into it. Now, the interesting thing is a lot of them have options as far as how you know which race they they want to go into 
And uh, that is that's going to be very interesting, especially you know horses like Omaha Beach. Uh, he just defeated a top contender in Chancellot and the Breeders' Cup uh, uh, prep for the sprint. Um, and uh, so Mandela, I think, is kind of saying that he's probably going to go in the sprint, but he does have options for uh, the six million dollar classic and the one million dollar dirt mile. The sprint is. $2 million. So Omaha Beach, let's hope he lives up to all the hype from earlier this year. And of course, uh, Matoli, he, he can go in the sprint and the mile, but uh, I'm thinking he's going to go in the sprint. Uh, so we will find out. So um, a lot of people disagreeing with me. Maybe it'll depend on where Omaha Beach goes because uh, he does own a win at the dirt miles distance when he won the Met Handicap. Uh Catalina Cruiser. Uh, so John Sadler's got some choices here, uh, and uh, we'll find out. He uh, might be want to dodge Matoli, so uh, we'll find out where he goes. And of course, the horse that a lot of people were hailing as uh, horse of the year earlier, Bricks and Mortar, who looked unbeatable, but nobody's unbeatable, as you know that. Uh, it looks like Chad Brown is leaning towards the mile, but uh, he's going to wait to see how things uh, uh, check up there because uh, he's got another contender for the mile, Uni, who we'll be talking about a little bit later in the show, uh, and uh, Uni's performance in Keeneland's First Lady. So again, we'll be talking about that, and then uh, I won't call it the defection, but kind of the passing of Governor Morris and Alpha 66, and tis the law uh, who won the Champagne Stakes in New York after stumbling at the start, was too wide in traffic. Now, see if any of these names are familiar. Tis the Law is the name of the horse, but how about Sacatoga Stable and Barkley Tag? Hmm. Can you say funny side? So they know what it takes to get to the Derby, and they're just feeling like traveling to Santa Anita, trying a new distance for the first time, might be asking a little too much. Of course, in New York, uh, they've got at least two more races for the two-year-olds. That's their home court. They probably will stay there. Now, I don't know if you got up early on Saturday, depending on where you live, uh, how early it would be, but I did have my cup of coffee and watch the Arc de Triomphe, and Nabel looked like she was going to go for an unprecedented third win in France's greatest race, but just got banged over the head in the final 60 yards. So it, it was still a, a brilliant race, and she's run so many together. And they're saying right now that the door might be open if she comes over for the Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, she's now won 13 of 15 starts. And let's not forget, she when she won it last year, she was four to five. Now, uh, Mongolian Groom, his connections after upsetting McKinsey and higher power in the awesome again, uh, said, no, we're probably going to go to uh, someplace in Europe or Asia and, and race there. And it uh, looks like uh, they've had a change of heart. But... They've got to come up with two hundred thousand uh, dollars because this horse was not nominated to the Breeders' Cup. So uh, they've had a change of heart, 
and they decided they're going to do it. I know they have people that wanted to come in partners with them, but they also wanted to go 50-50 on the purses. And the connections of Mongolian groom, Mongolian groom were uh, not crazy about that. So uh, it looks like they're going <clears> to <throat> put their money where their horse's mouth is, plunk down $200,000. Of course, uh, it's quite a payday there. So that'll be a an interesting group of horses that uh, – are coming together again that's not locked in stone uh, but we're talking the likes of code of honor mckinsey Howard power and seeking the soul uh, of course there's a couple other winning your in participants that could be there now drum roll please hard to believe anybody would want to replace mike smith but he's been replaced on the mount of mckenzie and it looks like bob baffert has decided upon Joel Rosario to ride him in the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic. And don't forget, those races are going to be November 1st and 2nd. So uh, Bob Baffert uh, just announced that yesterday. Even though Mike Smith has ridden McKenzie in all 13 of his starts. So he ran second in the awesome again behind Mongolian Groom. But, uh, you know, who's to say that it was Mike's fault. I mean, Mongolian groom was so much on his game that day. He just went to the front and said, catch me if you can. And nobody could. So, uh, all right, Joel Rosario, the reins are in your hand. on one of the best horses in training in North America. Uh, another horse that, uh, as you know, I've been touting all year and he's a great place in show bet. <laughs> and that is Tacitus. They said enough's enough. You know what's to what's to change our mind that there's any way we could say that he's going to beat the horses that have been beaten. Now, yeah, he may hit the board and have a nice payday, but you know we know that he is such a good horse and so well bred. They're just going to take the time off and and give him a rest, and he's not going to go for any of the other early races this year. So uh, late races, I should say. So they just want him to get stronger and grow. He's he's already a, a big horse. Uh, so we'll see if uh, those links will shorten as uh, he goes from three to four years. So glad, even though he you know is a graded stakes horse and he has that outstanding breeding, that they're not going to shuffle him off to the breeding shed. So uh, they feel that planning for next year seems like a better idea. And they could wind him up a little bit early. And uh, so uh, you got the new $20 million Saudi Cup and the $12 million Dubai World Cup. Those will be considered according to his connections. All right. I talked about the last win and you're in. It was yesterday. Sweet Melania rolled home a convincing five and a half length winner in Keeneland's grade two $200,000 Jessamine stakes. How about this? She cost $600,000, and she is a daughter of American Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh. Boy, what a start he's having off to stud. All right, I had my man Steady Eddie with me last week, and uh, we handicapped the Keeneland card. Let's take a look at the races there. Uh, The results in the Shadwell Turf Mile, it was a fast-closing Bowie's hero in the saddle, Flavia and Pratt. This horse comes from out of the clouds and did in this million-dollar grade one race. 
This was a race that was wide open for a price, and Bowie's Hero did just that. In the second spot was Diamond Ops, who was three to one, <laughs> three to one, thirty to one, in the morning line. And finishing in third was Ed's number one pick, the French bred Sudois. Eight years old, still running, likes that Keeneland course, gets up third in that million-dollar race. Okay, let's look at some of the other races. I'm kind of going backwards here. The ninth race was the Claiborne Breeders Futurity. And you heard it right from the winning pony announcer's mouth. Maxfield, who was 12-1 to in the morning line, got bet down. Maybe some of you guys listened to me. And got the job done paying $14.80. Jose Ortiz was in the saddle. In the second spot was Ed's pick, Governor Morris. The horse is going to take a little bit of a break right now. And in the third spot was Enforceable. So Chalky John gets a nice one home, $14.80. Then... In the eighth race, the first lady, she is going to be, as we snuck in earlier on the show, Uni, a Chad Brown trainee, $400,000 for fillies and mares. Finishing just behind her was Juliet Foxtrot. And in the third spot, Ed's pick, Vasilka. All right, that was a look at the first lady, grade one, and we're going to close out this segment of the show. It was an evenly matched group going to post for the Thoroughbred Club of America. Getting home on top at a decent price, Spice Perfection. Javier Castellano in the saddle. This Peter Miller trainee is now two for two at Keeneland. Normally races out on the West Coast uh, in the spring. It won the grade one Madison Stakes up by a neck. In the second spot, was Dawn the Destroyer and third Mia Mischief. All right, that's a look at the national news, what we could fit in, and our races from last week. We're going to take a little bit of a break and we come back. We're going to talk to the King of the Cappers in Kentucky, Byron King. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, man, I've come to... uh, respect over the years and i'd like to call him a friend i do believe i can from drum roll please the blood horse uh the new associate editor the king of the cappers and now the wizard of the writers byron king byron how are you john you're the best man i'm telling you you could be like a uh, you could do introductions in Vegas, like before boxing matches. Uh, you're so good at it. <laughs> the whirlwind of the writing world, Byron King. Exactly. I like that. Yeah, you're good. Uh, what was that guy's name? Was it Michael Dicker or something like that? I can't remember the guy that was so famous. Uh, I, I, I did get ready to rumble. Yeah, but uh, anyhow, um, you know, I've introduced you for years, of course, all of your, you know, uh, background as a graduate of the USA, odds maker for Sam Houston, on-air guy down at Sam Houston, uh, your work with the DRF. You've kind of changed gears a little bit. Uh, Again, as I told everybody, uh, it's the associate editor of The Blood Horse. So, uh, you know, I did see over the weekend, you were sitting at that Power group at the press box. It was like Lenny Shulman, uh, Frank Angst. Oh, I'm trying to think of who rolled out the quartet for the Blood Horse that day. I saw you, like the four of you were kind of sitting in a box there near the windows. But uh, it was uh, it was kind of cool, you know, to see you sitting there. And I, I don't know who the who the coach is and who the you know offensive lineman is and stuff like that. But it seems like with all the knowledge that you've had about racing and a lot of it in the past was your expert analysis on picking the races that man i pull up the blood horse every day and i don't know when you sleep i mean you're writing 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 well thank you john and i'm glad to be uh, actively involved in all that whole process and that's one of the the great things about the new gig which i'm really excited about is to be able to write a little more on a daily basis about, you know, this great sport and cover it. And it was something that I did more in spurts at the racing forum during my 24 years there. I was, I did a lot of that when I was the New Orleans correspondent for the racing forum for a number of years. But then as I kind of transitioned into more of a, a lead Kentucky handicapper type of role, uh, naturally, at the racing forum, which is the horse player's Bible, you, there's a strong emphasis on handicapping. So that was the role that I that I played for them for many, many years. But I'm delighted to be able to cover the races and to write uh, some stories and some human interest uh, pieces. And those are, are very much welcomed and, and exciting for, for me to write and hopefully entertaining for people to read. Well, you, you certainly... Uh are back in the saddle again, shall we say, on a racing show. Um, and uh, it's great, but, man, they, they're keeping you busy. I mean, the volume of work you're doing is phenomenal. Well, it's nice of you to say, pal. Nice of you to say. Send a letter to my bosses, man. Let them know. That's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, naturally, uh, a little praise will do me good. But, no, I'm happy, happy to do it. And also, it's an exciting time of year. I mean, we've got... You know, all these Breeders' Cup preps and the 
you know, the major racing in Keeneland and Santa Anita and Belmont. Now, we take our breath here for a little bit before the Breeders' Cup. Still some good races like the Queen Elizabeth and whatnot. But I think that the bulk of that activity really was concentrated over these last couple of weeks. <clears throat> yeah, really. I mean, uh, let's face it, aside from winding up to the Triple Crown, you know, this quick slippery road uh to the breeders cup uh is almost on par of course uh the kentucky derby carrying a little more history uh worldwide uh but nonetheless uh you know the breeders cup has taken on such importance uh in, in not only in the u.s but we're seeing more and more international horses uh coming over here that yeah you're right you know it's like man you jumped right into a boiling pot but hey you know you won't, you won't be bored for a few weeks that's for sure byron hey speaking of international and i know this is an ongoing story uh i didn't enjoy my coffee on saturday morning as i watched enable uh just struggle in the last few yards and have that horse uh, that that horse pass her when she was going for the arc de triomphe but you know they had her so wound up and keyed up for that race and she was so impressive uh in in the the breeders cup last year are you hearing any more rumblings that maybe they're thinking about tr taking a trip over here well i think it was an unsatisfying ending for them to where i think they're pondering it a little bit i think actually that if she had won they might have been Intent to call it a uh, career, but I think now they're kind of thinking about it a little bit. Maybe you know, ending it uh, on a uh, the potential to win one more and win the Breeders' Cup. But it's very hard to say with uh, those connections. Obviously, they're thousands of miles away from us here, so we have to kind of rely on other reports to get those kinds of things. One of the great things about that we have at the Blood Horse that I'm really excited about is we have a partnership with the Racing Post and. For your listeners that may not be familiar with what uh, publications cover their, the racing overseas, but there's two primary ones, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. And so we're partnered with the Racing Post, and we provide a lot of their content on our website and when it relates to the things that might affect U.S. racing. So naturally, we figure to be on top of this as news comes in, not only about Enable or for that matter, any other European horses that will be coming over for the Breeders' Cup. Well, I hope she makes it. I know I, I got to see her up close last year when she was uh, in your hometown, Louisville. And, uh, you know, there's certain horses that kind of give you goosebumps or you feel like, you know, you're within – you, you know, yards of greatness. And she really gave off that aura. And, Christ, I mean, her racing uh, – was she 13 to 15 lifetime and, you know, tackling the best in Europe almost every time she went to post? Uh, it'll be great for her to make the American. And I do think you make a good point, Byron King, in that head that she won that race. It was like, hey, this ties up the movie script. Let's go to, you know, Costanza. I'm out of here. <laughs> I did everything I need to do. And now it is be like, hey, maybe we could and you know recreate that swan song again and and do it in the breeders cup well we'll find out and i do find that connection with the uh with the european uh uh publicists uh very very good and a, a big bonus for you guys right for the for the uh the blood horse um byron any other 
you know, I've been trying to figure out who's going to go where. It's been kind of fun uh, to watch all, all these horses, uh, Matoli, uh, particularly Omaha Beach, uh, Catalina Cruiser, uh, Bricks and Mortar, uh, Catholic Boy. Uh, they, they're all given options coming up to the Breeders' Cup. And I guess their trainers will make that call, A, on how they're doing physically, and B, maybe where another competitor goes. Yes. Uh, that's one of the beauties of having a versatile horse, right? And with the Breeders' Cup, just to reacquaint with the procedure, but they have a pre-entry period, which is, um, if memory serves, I believe is October 21st. So that's when they can pre-enter and they can come go into two races. So, for example, let's say a Omaha Beach uh, they might choose to pre-enter in the sprint and the dirt mile or the sprint and the classic or the dirt mile and the classic, that kind of thing. And then a week later, they have to make their final determination. That allows them a little bit to scout around the other horses that are running and just essentially make the best decision possible for them. It seems usually with pre-entries, they declare a preference. Not usually they do declare a preference. And most of the time, the connections will stick to it, but uh, they can make some changes. In fact, I, I think of Irish trainer Aiden O'Brien has um, thrown a few curveballs over the years by running a horse that he initially listed as a second preference in a particular race. So it does uh, make for some interesting watching, and for these horses that are versatile, you might as well take advantage of it, throw them in two spots, and say, hey, let's see where we fit. Also... Bear in mind that not every horse is guaranteed to get into every race. So let's say you have a fringe competitor in a race, and if it overfills, you might get left out. But in another race with fewer horses or where the competition's not as strong, you might be selected to run. So uh, those are other variables at play. All right. We're talking with uh, Byron King from the Blood Horse magazine. Byron, I'm guessing uh, you might end up uh, in the press box at Keeneland again this weekend. And, of course, the uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, uh, Challenge Cup uh, could uh, potentially give you a great story angle should uh, magnetic charm uh, cross the finish line first, uh, although she's not trained by Chad Brown, so probably doesn't have a shot. But <laughs> tell us a little <laughs> bit about the ownership angle on magnetic charm. Well, she is owned by... None other than the Queen of England, who, of course, this race is named after. Elizabeth II, longest-serving monarch in British history. So pretty cool that she has a representative in the race. And not just a representative, she's got a contender. This is a horse that has run well. She's not, perhaps not as accomplished as a few others, but she comes off a really nice race. She was second in the Canadian stakes at Woodbine against older mares, and she finished in front of some good ones, including Competition of Ideas and Holy Helena. They were third and fourth, and those are two very fine older mares. So now with three-year-old fillies again, she definitely rates as a contender. She has not won a graded race before, and there are a couple grade one winners in the field, but uh, clearly I think her performance against those older mares is indicative of her talent, and she should run a rather good race, I would think. Uh, yeah, and I believe Starship Jubilee, who beat her in that race, is uh, 
is going to be running in a, a very solid race uh, up north of the border on Saturday too. Correct. So, uh, Correct. The, the, yes. The, the horse uh, definitely has a shot, but in handicapping this race, that said, now that you've cozied up to the queen, should you get a trip over there, uh, <laughs> could could Chad Brown repeat history with a one, two, three finish? Oh, with him, you can never count him out, right? But, you know, here's another thing, John, which I just can't get over is, okay, so this race for the queen right over in Britain is probably going to be going off at, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I have no idea, nor do you, I imagine, what queens do. But I'm curious if she'll be, like, huddled over her computer screen on her favorite ADW <laughs> watching this race, you know? Or, you know, if she'll be sipping tea and someone will come in and say, uh, oh, your highness, you ran first, you know? It's just uh, I would love to think that she's huddled over and watching her uh, ADW signal, but... Uh, um, maybe that's just wishful thinking. Well, we'll find out. Nonetheless, uh, give me a read on the race. Uh, we've already commented on magnetic charm. I mean, uh, which is the strongest of the Chad Brown trainees? Well, Cambier Park is going to be the favorite, I think. She's a great one winner. She won the Delmar Oaks. She's a very nice filly. She's been running in some of New York's top races. But his other runners are, are legit, too. And I, I think clearly you have to um, pay some attention to them as well in the field. I, I think they would not surprise in the least. Um, uh, you'll have to help me out with their names real quick here, John, but I'm not staring at the past performances. The other two's names are Cafe Americano Cafe and Regal Americano, Glory. Yes, and I think, thank you, because I was not staring at the past performances, and I blinked. But I think Cafe Americano is an intriguing prospect, and in fact, she's my value-based selection. She won at Arlington in the pucker-up, and that was the day that Chad Brown won every turf stake there on Arlington Million Day. And I really liked her race. She finished powerfully, and she just strikes me as a mile-and-an-eighth kind of filly. And perhaps she will just slip through the cracks a little bit with maybe everyone else looking at the other brown uh, Cambier Park or looking at the Queen's Horse or, or looking at some of the many others in the race that they could go after. So I kind of like Cafe Americano to, uh, to be a live price and, and have a good, solid chance. Well, they're uh, both uh, daughters of Medaglia di Oro. Uh, Cambier Park's got to win a few more races to get up to her sales price. $1,250,000 for OXO Equine. Uh, but nonetheless, with the graded win she's got, you could probably run her through the Keeneland sales ring now, Baron, and get that back. Yes, she's obviously going to be very... Uh, popular whenever she goes to the sales ring or whenever her babies do, depending on what the intentions are for her down the road. But clearly, I would imagine with that kind of a sales price, she came armed with a flashy pedigree. And now that she has become a grade one winner, that usually with a horse will elevate their, their residual value exponentially. All right. Well, uh, 
Byron King, I have other duties in the racing world that are going to keep me away from Keeneland, sad to say. So, uh, you know, say hello to the the other two-thirds of the power trio, uh, uh, Lenny Shulman and Frank Angst. And, uh, you know, we can't forget uh, Evan Hammonds on the organ. So, uh, you know, you guys, uh, you you make a great uh, team. Uh, Put the band back together, okay? I will do that. I'm not sure Keenan's going to want to run if you're not there, John. I mean, they might as well just say, you know, we got the queen, but we don't have John. Let's let's pack it in. Yeah, but they'll have the king. They'll have Byron King from the Blood Horse <laughs> up there in the press box. Uh, he'll be giving uh, you know blow by blow action as uh, as uh, the, the queen is sipping her royal tea. Thank you very much, Byron, for that report. <laughs> Cheerio, pip pip. All right, Byron King, thanks a million. Look forward to seeing you in person again. Best of luck on the Breeders' Cup Trail. See you later, my friend. All right, Byron King, the new associate editor of the Blood Horse magazine, one of the pillars in journalism in North American racing for decades. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We come back, going to go up north of the border and check out the huge weekend that happened with the top clocker at Woodbine, Ernie Perry. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right. I gave a tease at the top of the show with us, Ernie Perry now. Uh, he's been a horse racing enthusiast and handicapper pretty much most of his adult life. So he ended up becoming the clocker at Woodbine 15 years ago. And then eight years ago, he moved up the ladder to head clocker at Woodbine. And uh, also been doing the morning line for about 10 years and also is the official racing analyst for Woodbine Entertainment. Ernie Perry, I told you it was dangerous when you gave me your phone number. And uh, nice to talk to you. All those uh, degenerative times I was coming to the track on the bus have paid off, you can see. <laughs> you, you and me both. And uh, we yeah. used to go uh, in Albany, New York. Uh, my brother worked at Saratoga. I used to go up when I was a kid and run the bets for him and the neighbor boy. And uh, th there was a place uh, called... Uh, I think it was Coleman's, and we would all go down there around 11 o'clock at night because that's when the trucks would come up from New York City with the daily yeah. racing form. And it was oh. like you, you could write a Damon Runyon novel with the same characters that show up every <laughs> night with that hope in their eye, and everybody had a story about their big hit or their big miss at Saratoga yeah. the night before. All of a sudden, that truck would pull up, and that guy would throw them off. They'd thump onto the sidewalk, and it was like Christmas for every horse player in Albany, New York. <laughs> yeah, was some good old times. We had a nice track called Greenwood right in the heart of the city. Uh, we used to take the streetcar across at fifteen, sixteen. It was just a great place. Uh, don't don't you love stories about that like that? I mean, I I, I hope they continue. It seems like as uh, you, you know, it's a double edged sword. We, we need them, but they they change the culture of racing as the casinos yeah. become uh, the racetrack operators. That um, some of that color and that tapestry uh, that I think drew people like you and me and probably about 60,000 people we're talking to um, to the races. There's something about the colorful characters and that rare sense of anticipation that something was about to happen. Um, somehow it's got cleansed a little bit over the years, but well, uh, they, they'll, they'll won't take it out of me till they grab that racing form out of my cold dead hand because I, the the characters and the color of the track are what make racing ernie you, you know what and funny you mentioned that and i still i go to saratoga once a year just for that uh, john just for rejuvenation it's the way it used to be you got cigar smell everywhere and people drinking and having a good time so saratoga's kept that intact and that's why i go there once a year just to rejuvenate myself how you know racing used to be yeah, yeah, there was a guy, Cookie, that used to go around with the overnights, uh, and then there was a guy uh, that uh, replaced him, he was this little kid that used to run around with a derby on, his name was Little Andy, and uh, I think he's still involved in racing on some, I've got a black and white photo of Little Andy with his hat on, so I, I gotta find that, it's gotta be worth some blackmail points or something, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, anyhow, I, I, I hear your Canadian accent coming through. I right. spent a little time with one of your Canadian brethren over the weekend, uh, a guy that you've probably seen a few times, Sandy Hawley. Oh, Sandy's the greatest. Talk about stories. He's got him in spades. He is the greatest. Uh, I, I've done a bit of work with Sandy up here at Woodbine. We give some tours in the backstretch and we do some public relations stuff and I'm just a fan, and uh, he's the headliner, and I love going on tours with him just to hear his stories. 
Uh, yes, he, he does have them, and uh, he has an occasional Molson now and then. I have uh, joined oh, him yeah. for him. Uh, yeah. But uh, he was there for a really spectacular uh, jockey signing last Saturday at Keeneland, and Jocks just came out of the woodwork. It was it was great to see some of my favorites that uh, I saw ride at the smaller tracks and become big riders. Uh, uh, Patty Cooksey was there, of course. Uh, uh, St. Patrick Day was there. Uh, my favorite uh, rider from that graduated from River Downs in Cincinnati, Steve Coffin, was on oh, hand. Yeah. I know that uh, you've seen him. So yeah, uh, yeah. the. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was just it was a super Saturday, but it's fun. You know, Sandy used to be a friend of mine, and he's not. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sandy used to be a hero of mine. He's <laughs> yeah. not anymore. Now he's a friend of mine, and oh, that's uh, that that's pretty cool to be honest with you. Um, yeah, uh, there's not a person that I know that doesn't like him at all. Uh, everybody loves him, and uh, you know, we were we were happy to have him at Woodbine. Now we're talking about famous races at Woodbine. Secretariat's last start was at Woodbine, was it not? Yeah, I believe in the International. It was called back then, uh, it's changed a few different names, but uh, yeah, I believe you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I watched it on YouTube last week. I don't know if it was through your site or somebody's, but, uh, you know, they had uh, Ron Turcott was one of the commentators, and I forget who the other one was, but it was just it was a cold, terrible day up there and, uh, it was in the fall and you could see, you know, the smoke, it appeared, uh, was just yeah, coming yeah. out of his nostrils and the way the track was configured then they actually went around the track twice. It looked like they started in what would be a six furlong shoot and then they went around twice. Uh, is it still configured like that for a mile and a half? No, now we have, uh, and by that time they may have had to cross the dirt. Now we have an actual mile and a half outer, and then we have an inner turf course, uh, seven eighths um, inner turf course, and you no, know, it's 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 a mile and a half, and it's uh, probably one of the longest stretches in North America. Well, it will be uh, exciting. I know uh, I was looking at the past performances, and it's really impressive the international flavor that you're going to have at Woodbine this week. You as the clocker probably haven't had a chance to clock many of these horses. And when I say many, many of these standouts, it's what impressed me so much, Ernie, is how many of these uh, European connections are bringing over their own riders. I mean, I know you want to do that, but it's funny how these guys are really sticking with their jack. It might be the only uh, race of the day, whether it be the Canadian International or the EP Taylor or the Near Arctic. Uh, that that's pretty impressive. That the uh, you know the eyes of the world are going to be on Woodbine Saturday. Yeah, and they they absolutely love it. The weather is actually perfect. Not as cold as that day uh, that Secretary ran. We've gotten a little better. So uh, today was beautiful. The weather's great. The weather. Uh, Shouldn't be much uh, rain in the forecast. Hopefully not. We have nine out of 12 races are on the turf, if you can believe that, John. So if you love turf racing, Woodbine's the place to be Saturday. We have the inner turf course and the uh, EP Taylor. And like I said, nine out of 12 will be on there. And yeah, I've seen a few of the Europeans. They don't work like American or North American horses where we have timed works, but they were out, uh, you know, testing the turf today and there's been a few coming down the lane and uh, looking like they're enjoying it. Um, I, I've got to ask you about this jockey. I, I, 
And, and forgive me, Ernie, it, the race was about three weeks ago. I've been traveling all over the Midwest promoting my sale. Um, and I stopped at, uh, I won't name the track because it was pretty lousy. But anyhow, I yeah. did watch, is it and Eureka Da Silva? Enrique, help me with his right. first name. Yeah. Eureka Rosa Da Silva. Okay. He Eureka rode. Da Silva. All yeah. right. Now, you, you tell me the race because this was phenomenal. He was up on a 40-to-1 shot and slipped through along the hedge, and the place went nuts. Was he supposed to retire after that race? No. So he's retiring after the season. Uh, he's been our leading jockey for uh, several years, and, uh, you know, he he picked up the mount. That was the wood by mile, if, if I'm not mistaken. That was 44-to-1 uh, uh, shot El Tormenta in the wood by mile. And yeah, yes. he won a great race, and uh, you know he's on one this weekend. He he knows that course like the back of his hand. But yes, he's uh, just decided to retire at the end of the year, just for family reasons, uh, spend time with his family and kids, and uh, that's 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 why he got the big ovation. It was it was fantastic to watch. I mean, it was like he had won. Uh, you know, the Breeders' Cup Classic and the Kentucky Derby uh, at the same time. He was just going crazy. What's great was how your fans up there embrace him so well. Yeah, he's he's another character, that's for sure. He's very good with the fans and uh, he's got a great saying. He, you know, every time he talks in an interview, he ends it off with good luck to everybody in his accent. So uh, he's uh, very endearing to the fans. Uh, it, it was fantastic, and forgive me for forgetting the race, but I, I it yeah, was the one of those things. Mile. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, the Woodbine Mile. Yeah, I, I had a list of races I wanted to watch that day, and I was driving from, I don't know, Presque Isle to Keeneland or something, and I was like, oh, I got I got an hour where I can pull over at this OTBO and, and watch a couple races, and that was one of them, and it was just, it was exciting to watch, and, you know, I, I've seen this guy ride, and it's, it's kind of like the old days where, you know, if you saw Pat Day in a race, you bet him, if you saw Sandy Hawley in a race, you bet him, you know, and this guy north of the border just crushes him, and uh, yeah. it's exciting to watch. Uh, does he yeah. have any children in the business or anything? I mean, was he sticking no, around no, to ride against his son? Children. He's got young, young children, uh, very young children, and 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 to that fact, you'll never you, you would never see forty four to one on him again. I mean, it's a rarity that you know that that like he's our leading rider, so he gets bet pretty well. But you know, forty four to one with the Silva, you got to put a few bucks on him. All right, well, uh, we're talking with Ernie Perry from uh, up at Woodbine. He's uh, the head clocker, racing analyst, um, odds maker. I, I think uh, in between races, he sells popcorn down to the mezzanine. <laughs> I mean, the guy does everything up there. Uh, well, let's uh, let's start. If I get long winded, I want to make sure I get the most important races in, and of course, uh, the, the Canadian International, uh, a race that has it, it has changed names, by the way, and I noticed that. If you go to what used to be the Bible, and they don't make it anymore, and as the American North American Racing Manual, now the Canadian International starts at 1994. So obviously they've had some kind of change that there wasn't continuity because Secretariat's name should have been in there. But nonetheless, uh, this race uh, uh, has uh, an amazing history and an important place in Canadian racing. $800,000, grade one, as we just discussed with Ernie, uh, a mile and an eighth. And this is another one of those races at the point that I was making about – 
<clears throat> excuse me, dedicated uh, Europeans making sure that they bring their own rider over here. They may not have won the last race, but they've ridden the horse before. Uh, the even money Zed, I'm going to call him for now, uh, has this uh, jockey MH guy in on him. Uh, He just missed in a grade one by a neck, uh, the Grand Prix St. Cloud. But Ernie, do you, the odds I'm looking at in the daily race for right now, were they made by you? Yeah, I believe so, because they should have been mine, because we we went fine early this morning. So I think those are, uh, they should be the track odds, my odds, yeah. All right, well, the horse that jumped off the paper to me was Desert Encounter, the Irish bread uh, that will have a jockey, don't know the first name, A. Atanzini up. And this horse won the Canadian International last year at 8-1 to one with that jockey in the saddle. The thing is, I, I'm big on two things, Ernie, when I handicap. I'm big on a lot of angles. You include everything. But horse for course and as he won at the distance and a mile and a half is such a rare distance to have desert encounter go 15 times in a mile and a half win six two times second three times third for earnings of over 622,000 has career earnings of 953 my eye and the fact that it won the race last year up with you immediately went to him and then i was surprised that you had an even money horse in there tell me why you you push the strength towards zayed if i'm saying that name correctly yeah so uh, first of all we had a late scratch in the race uh to the slam was entered supposed to be in there and uh, you know i had to do a morning line and i had included to the slam and then obviously just with you know i was him and in hind um was zayed i think zayed should be the clear favorite um, finishing second to Cornet in a grade one. Um, and that horse has gone on to do some nice things and then come back and win a grade two. So I think that horse should be the clear favorite. Now, you know, with a small field, I firmly believe in this particular race, they're going to bet those two horses. So it's a question of, you know, I always think Desert Encounter won here last year, has won three uh, grade threes in a row. So I just give the little class edge to Zayad, and you know, once the money starts funneling in, he should probably be in that six to five even money range. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you've got uh, uh, the Irish bred uh, Pivion, if I'm saying that correct. But uh, yep. here's another yep. one that uh, uh, Andrew Balding is bringing his own jockey, uh, who's had some uh, good races uh, aboard that. Uh, Son of uh, Reduced Choice. And then, uh, of course, Desert Encounter. I already uh, commented about that, Jackie. And then you have this, if I'm saying his name right, uh, Mr. C. Le Covier in from France for Waldemar yeah. Hickstack. Um, it, it makes for, even though it's a short field, it makes for an interesting one for sure. Oh, it, 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 this race always is. Uh, like I said, a mile and a half starts right in front of the grandstand uh, and finishes right there. And you know, some of these horses are getting Lasix for the first time, which helps. And, yeah, bringing in their own riders. I mean, it's a nice purse. Um, some will move on if they run well to the Breeders' Cup. And uh, they, they just love the, the wide nature of this course. All right. Well, we'll, we'll find, we will find out. We're talking with uh, Ernie Perry from Woodbine Clocker Extraordinaire. Uh, let's move on now to another grade one, the $600,000 EPT. 
Taylor, and uh, we've only got four minutes, so we'll jump right into it. The horse that uh, drew uh, this guy's eye, uh, I'm pretty sure, was Red T. Uh, Joseph O'Brien, the son of Aiden O'Brien, did not bring uh, a European uh, jockey. I don't know if D. O'Brien is one of his brothers, uh, but Erika Da Silva will be aboard Red T. So, you know, that horse is going to get some action and has been very consistent of late. Yeah, so you can see this one finished third uh, to Cornette, the aforementioned that we spoke about earlier. And uh, that was in a grade one. And like I said, gets Lasix for the first time. Da Silva... Knows the course very, very well. Um, the horse's last start previous was a, a win at even money in the grade two. But, you know, it, it, it's a pretty nice race, uh, John. There's, I had a very, very tough time doing the morning line on this one. Um, I quite fancy Starship Jubilee to be a homer. Uh, the horse likes to go on the front. Horse is training well. But uh, this is a wide open race. Another horse in there, Imperial Charm, uh, three-year-old filly, very light. Eight starts, one win, but that's one of the ones that was up on the turf this morning and just came the, down the lane in a guzzle, uh, straight as an arrow, and looks to love the track. All right. We are looking at the E.P. Taylor, mile and a quarter, 600,000. Again, some great grass racing at Woodbine and Preceding the E.P. Taylor will be the Nearctic, a race named after a foundation sire. Looks like I got about three minutes here, Ernie. And uh, looks like you had a little tougher time kind of separating the favorites in here. At 5-2, to two, we got Blind Ambition. At 7-2, to two, we got Richie's in the house. And at 3-1, to one, the very accomplished Yorkton. Uh, yeah, I can see why you'd struggle. There's a lot of talent in the Nearctic. Yeah, and, uh, you know, even some of the ones that are longer price uh, are tough. Boreal Spirit's in great form right now, and uh, there's a lot of speed in this race, so if you're looking to bet this one, look for a horse that likes to close. Admirality Pier has been always in tough races, uh, is, working, is working up a storm. Uh, that one loves to come from behind, so that one might be a decent price. But, you know, the favorite I made 5-2 to two on the back class. I love that horse first time out this year. Didn't pay much at about uh, eight to five, but just absolutely love the horse. And, uh, you know, looking at the back class, but it's a wide open race. So there could be a price to be had in this race for sure. A lot of speed. So have a look at some closers here. Okay. Well, who would those closers be? The European uh, uh, Woody Creek or? Uh... That's right, yeah. The Philly, yeah. She's a three-year-old Philly. So she's tackling the boys here. Uh, that one there, and uh, Admiralty Pier might like might close a bit, and uh, looking to strike could uh, close for a piece. All right, now Ernie, uh, just a a, a question: um, Are you a man that wears so many hats at Woodbine? Uh, are you allowed to wager on the speed of a steed? You know, it, it, it it's it's a great question, and uh, you know, being in the race office, um, sort of torn because. You know, they're implementing that we're not, but I also do the broadcast and, you know, I gave out horses on my clocker reports. So, uh, being on the broadcast team allows me to, to wager. So yeah, you know, I, I, I like to play a little and, uh, just have a little fun, a little less than I used to back in the day. 
Ah, uh, yes, I know. I know we were closer to it then, and now we've got so much responsibility. I know a lot of times I've turned around and said, oh, crap, they're in the gate, you know? Yeah, <laughs> there was a yeah, horse that yeah. you loved, and you touted everybody else, and you, you didn't get the chance to bet it. So, Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Well, Ernie, thanks so much uh, once again for spending time with us here on Winning Ponies. Uh, yeah, I, I love uh, your insight talking to you. I love your accent, and uh, I'll uh, I'll tell Sandy Hawley you said hi next time I see. Yeah, him. tell him I said hi. That'd be great. I will. All right, Ernie Perry from uh, Woodbine. Uh, we're getting ready to close the show out. I do want to tell you on this uh, weekend that has uh, some races all over the place. Don't forget to come on over to WinningPonies.com and pull down those easy win forms had some more winners hey Keeneland's still open just last week we had a one dollar super key that paid 1738 and two days later a one dollar super high five that paid 1451 we've had really solid winners at Belmont and Gulfstream you come on over because they're all posted we post all of our successes and failures so you know, feel free to you know to, to come over to the easy win forms uh, I want to thank Byron King you know uh, for so many years I talked to him when he was on the staff at the daily racing forum and I think he's going to be a fantastic addition uh, to the blood horse and as uh, you, you heard uh, Byron say tonight that he's really kind of enjoying not just giving picks out but actually you know getting his teeth into the the story on these horses and then the follow-up uh, of their successes at the racetrack and of course uh, his duty is to uh, be on the phone with the Queen uh, of England so he can give her a blow-by-blow blow of the QE2 uh, down there at Keeneland on Saturday so uh, for both of my guests uh, Byron and Ernie uh, for uh, Josh, by gosh, my producer, and everybody at Winning Ponies, I want to thank you. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.